Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Uh, I'll start with John's introduction, just because it's a good segue from last evening to uh, this morning. Here, the Buddha is, is explaining further refined mindfulness during jhana meditation. Whenever, on whatever occasion, the meditator remains mindful of the breath and the body, ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world, the application of mindfulness of the in and out breathing is appropriately developed so as to bring the four frames of reference to their culmination. So last night, it was posed as a question, what is the benefit? And today is how to bring it to its culmination. So it kind of just tightens it up into the four foundations. The Buddha's words. Now, how is mindfulness of the breath and the breath in and the breath appropriately developed as to bring the four frames of reference, the four foundations of mindfulness to the culmination? On whatever occasion the monk breathing in long is mindful of breathing in long, or breathing out long is mindful of breathing out long, or breathing in short is mindful of breathing in short, or breathing in out short is mindful of breathing out short, they are to continue to train their mind. I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to the body, bringing mindfulness to the fore, to what is occurring and uniting the mind within the frame of reference of the breath in the body. So you're calming your body, you're, you're, you found seclusion and the actual breathing and that metaphor is just calming. The Buddha continues, he trains himself. I will breathe in and breathe out, calming bodily fabrications. On this occasion, when this occurs, the monk remains focused on the in-breath, the breath in the body in and of itself, free of distraction, ardent alert, and mindful while putting aside craving, distress with <clears throat> reference to the world. This is just a little explanation from John. The world in this case refers to wrong view or rooted in ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. The Buddha continues, I tell you monks, the in and out breath is unsurpassed as a body among bodies. John refers to a mind united in, with the body and free from eye making or selfing. On the occasion that one remains focused on the body, free of distraction, ardent, alert, and mindful, they are putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. John's commentary. It is the essence of the Dhamma practice to abandon self-referential views rooted in ignorance of the Four Noble Truths by integrating the heartwit of the Dhamma, the Eightfold Path, and to put aside craving and distress with reference to the world. The Buddha continues, and as you can see, you can see the 
the progression into the second foundation. On any occasion, a monk trains himself, I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to rapture. I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to pleasure. I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to mental fabrications. I will breathe in and breathe out calming mental fabrications. The whole process of calming and then that insight that you start developing. You know, those first two foundations are both that calming process of your body and your mind. But even here, calming mental fabrications can only occur if there's insight, even at that early stage. And the only way you can calm a fabrication is the understanding. You start to see that insight to impermanence. Just the act, as Brian said last night, just the act of breathing is impermanent. So even at that early stage, you, you're, you're recognizing that all conditioned things are impermanent and subject to cessation. On this occasion, the monk remains focused on feeling free of distraction, ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. I tell you, monks, that mindfulness of the in-breath and the out-breath can be seen as a singular feeling among feelings, which is why the monks on this occasion remain focused on the feeling of free of distraction, ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. Just a quick explanation from John. Feelings among feelings is explained by John as with a calm and well-concentrated mind, not distracted by analyzing these ever-changing mind states that are impermanent. The Buddha continues. Whenever a monk trains himself, I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to the mind. They remain focused on the mind free of distraction, ardent, alert, mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. Whenever, the, whenever a monk trains himself, I will breathe in and breathe out satisfying the mind. I will breathe in and breathe out steadying the mind. I will breathe in and breathe out releasing the mind. They remain focused on the mind, free of distraction, ardent, aware, and mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. When this occurs, the monk remains mindful of the in-breath and the out-breath, free of distraction, ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. And this is coming up the one time throughout this whole sutta that the Buddha actually has a little warning. He's been so gentle and encouraging, but here the Buddha says, I do not say that there is development of mindfulness of breathing for one who is forgetful of these instruction or who is not fully aware of these instructions. So he's, you know, taking a step back and saying, don't lose focus. Don't add to this practice. Don't take away from this practice. Stay focused on what these 
simple words are saying. There are no advanced teachings for the advanced students, the students that have been here for a while, or a novice. These are the instructions. Each of us, as we use John's instructions going into jhana, those are the simple instructions just presented in a different way. So the Buddha, again, is saying, I do not say that there is development of mindfulness of breathing for one who is forgetful of these instructions or who is not fully aware of these instructions. Buddha continues. Whenever a monk trains himself, I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to impermanence. Here's that insight we want. That he's not trying to analyze it. He's sensitive to it. He's aware of it. He's experiencing it. And he's sensitive to it. I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to dispassion. I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to sensation. I will breathe in and breathe out sensitive to relinquishment. That's the third noble truth. That insight. That's right view. That's what this whole practice is about, is insight to those three marks and a clear and right view of the reality of, of the world, of how we encounter it. This is the third noble truth. On this occasion, the monk remained sensitive to all mental qualities, free of distraction, ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. Those who see with wisdom and understanding, right view, the relinquishment, the abandoning, abandoning of craving and distress are those who have established right mindfulness with equanimity. When this occurs, this person remains mindful of all mental qualities, free of distraction, ardent, alert, and mindful while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world. This is how mindfulness of the in-breath and the out-breath is appropriately developed so as to bring the four frames of reference, the four frames of mindfulness to their culmination. John concludes that with the instructions of right mindfulness and right meditation are to increase concentration through jhana meditation, free of distraction, whenever they may arise. That's it. <clears throat> We can go around the room. Who's first? Let's go to Deborah. Always first. You gotta go first. Who says? <laughs> I thought of you because of what you went through yesterday. And regardless of what level you are, call yourself a novice, but I hope you were able to take the level of mindfulness that you have developed in this short period of time and was able to, you know, 
be aware of things arising and passing away, even during that difficult day that you had yesterday. I so, was working real hard on that. Yeah. Uh, last night during the sutta. Um, I got up and left a few times and came back. But I appreciate uh, your thoughts. I was cognizant of my behavior. And you're appropriately sad. And I think even with just the concept of mindfulness based on jhana meditation, developing your concentration, and then whatever level of mindfulness is better than the day before that you started sitting in in the background with Jeff. Since you're there, Jeff. <laughs> Hello there, David. Thank Hello. you for the tea. Thank you for the teaching. Um, I, I, I think I'll remain silent for now. I might yeah, in. chime in later. Yeah, jump in whenever you want. Hi, Kevin. Kevin Hart. Hey, David. Good morning. So glad you joined us. Yeah, this was a really good uh, presentation. Um, I like the pace. It was very slow, or, or I don't want to say slow, but but gave everybody a chance to digest these sort of intricate instructions um, about sort of how your mind and works in relation to the process of breathing, and and Buddha really narrows it in on on you know the body does its thing. The body has a breath, but we have a mind and we have focus and concentration that's distinctly separate from that. And that's sort of what we go through as we continue with this practice, as we become more familiar with our breath and the way our mind works, the tempo at which our thoughts come and go, tempo at which feelings come and go. So you really did a good job of keeping that pace gentle. So because these are, these are kind of, uh, there's a lot of depth to this and you can get lost in it a little bit, but it really just comes back to what we've been saying all weekend that we sit and we increase our concentration and we notice the quality of our mind as that comes and goes and, and whatever that is that day. So thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Lucius, again, so nice for you to join us this weekend. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Um, I was thinking, you know, it was talking about the sensitive being sensitive to the body and, and the feelings and mind. And it just I was thinking, you know, the story of, of Buddha's life and how before, you know, he became the Buddha, he practiced many years of austerities and really really was anything but sensitive to his body feelings and mind he, you know he really uh practiced a lot of um harm to those things on purpose and so he was anything but sensitive to those things and so it, it kept him in, in ignorance 
And so once he realized that, you know, that sensitivity, that attunement, uh, that experiential approach um, of, of watching those parts, those, you know, the body, the feelings and mind, then he could notice and realize that, you know, impermanence, the, that there's no I, um, and that everything has that suffering or stress related to it. And, um, and then by doing that, he was able to relinquish it. So, you know, just, I, I, I realized that, you know, um, I, I spent many years beating myself up and not being sensitive. So, and I, I really like John's approach of, you know, that kindness to myself, you know, because by being kind to myself, then I'm able to be sensitive to, to, to those three things. Thank you, Lucius. Good morning, Dr. Kevin. Good morning. Thank you, David, for this great teaching. Um, <clears throat> really, uh, this is the heart of everything, bringing mindfulness to the fore and just bringing us into those deeper and deeper levels of jhana. And uh, it's great the way the Buddha explains it. It's, and you made it really clear how to go through it. And it, it really is the path. It is the center of the path. It really is the heart of the heartwood. So um, thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. And, and again, it's the middle way. So it's the gentle way, but it's also, and certainly how John's restored these, it, it's like, these are simple teachings and as householders, you know, we carve out this time and carve out our practice and balance it with the busy lives that you all have, you know, the challenging interactions out in the world. And to me, this is, uh, if it could be kept aside from all other activities and not embellished or subtracted from to make it more palatable along with all the activities in people's world while they have that free time. You know, I know we're competing with that free time that uh, it allows you to go into that free time with clarity you know, that middle way. So thank you, Kevin. It was hit on the right tone with that, that approach. I think we got everyone. Jeff, any thoughts before I turn this around? Well, I was, I was pondering how the, the judgment of self is uh, is sort of our rationalization for not thinking of ourselves as um, perhaps good enough to relinquish or release ourselves from 
the experience of Duca. Um, thinking in terms of how <clears throat> how difficult it is to, uh, especially in the beginning, to accept yourself for what you are, just to own who you are, and and let it go. That you aren't, you can't let something go if you can't let allow yourself to recognize it. Um, and yeah, being gentle with yourself is the only way to get there, I suppose. Um, No, that, that's the thoughts I had for what that's worth. <laughs> worth a lot, Jeff. Worth a lot, Jeff. Thank you. Why don't we go to my friend Jennifer? Hi. Changing it up. Is that, is that right? Yeah, hey, that's good. Um, yeah, what, what Lucius said really resonated with me um, and my experience this weekend of, uh, you know, I've been engaged in this practice for 10 years and I'm, I'm still coming to um, pieces of conditioning, you know, that is being harsh with myself. Um, and uh, this sutta, explaining the idea of being present, sensitive to this body and sensitive to this mind, being fully present with this body and this mind. What else is there? And how can you possibly be present with anything else if you're not able to be fully present and sensitive, sensitive, just sensitive to, aware of, observing this body and this mind? So yeah. And really like putting into that context of like, you know, an entire life of avoiding or not even avoiding, but just the practice of um, having your mind oriented to everything but this body and this mind. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jen. And it allows you to then have those insights. Yeah. And so when you bump into that thing that now you've uncovered, that's that insight. Yep. That allows you to then, I always think of Ananda. I was talking to John. And like, this guy sat there 45 years and he was an expert teacher. And the reason why this is all here, but yet it, Something had to happen. The Buddha had to pass away 
for him to uncover that last thing before he became awakened. Mm. Up until that point, he was so devoted to his cousin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once his cousin passed, then it was his time. That was, a, that was his thing. Yeah. You know, Matt has a thing. You know, I have a, I have a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... You got but, but that if I got a lot of things, it's just, it's, you know, I don't take it personally. So when it does come bouncing on the road, you know, I have this jhana pra practice. I have this jhana meditation that, you know, I'm trying to deepen to get to those things and not try to wrestle it down, but to understand it. So I'm here, Matt. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, David. Um, I had such a calm abiding from the sit this morning that I wasn't really going to say anything today, but I really feel inspired by David's teaching, and um, so I might just say a few things. Um, As we've seen over this weekend, there's nothing ambiguous about what the Buddha taught with regard to meditation. <clears throat> the way that Brian and David have presented these teachings, there's nothing ambiguous here. It's very clear how to do what the Buddha taught to do. And that you know, I, I really, really appreciated David when you had, had broke it down to, you know, we have 118 hours yeah, in a week, you know, 118 hours of time, of free time that we fill with stuff. And I'm struck by the depth of the Buddha's generosity to give us a practice that is so uh, direct at removing fear, uncertainty, and doubt from, from what we're doing in life, from what we're here for, you know? If we, if we thought about, you know, especially as householders, we have 118 hours in a week, you know? And everyone in this room has chosen to take up, freely chosen to take up this path, to spend their time letting go of what's in the way. And we've been saying it all weekend, and this is the key feature of this sutta, is that that's rare. And it's deeply, deeply meaningful to me. So thank you, man. Thank you, man. My friend Jane.
David, you inspire me too. Matt pretty much said what I was thinking. I was struck when you did your introduction and you broke it down into what we do with our non-sleeping hours. And, uh, this is a choice. I mean, you know, it used to be, I thought that the world was happening to me. Right. But now this with the practice, I have the choice of how much time I want to spend, you know, working, working on my practice and how much effort I want to take to take the practice off the cushion. So it's, it changed the whole dynamic. I mean, it's not happening to me, but I'm putting forth the effort. So thank you for your sincerity and thank you. Tom A. Who is it? Tom. Oh, wow. And Tom. Where are you, Tom? Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, hi. Sorry I'm late. Uh, Tom. Wait. How are you, Tom? I'm very good. I'm very I'm good. Thank you. Right now. I'm putting you on the spot right now. How's your practice? <laughs> oh, um, it's going. I'm I'm sticking at it. Good. You're training only for calm. <laughs> yes, trying to. All right. Where are you? Yeah, doing my best. I'm in uh, the UK. I just I actually just got back from. I just played my dad at tennis. <laughs> so. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to I had to um I had to be uh be gentle with myself because I lost the first game and my dad's 80. Oh my god. <laughs> There's no excuse for that. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh goodness me. So I had to pull out all the stops and manage to win 2-1. Yeah, that's so a, a narrow victory, but yeah, I had to I had to remember the Dharma when I was one nil down, definitely. <laughs> and I would only suggest you got a lob. The, the heck out of an 80 year old <laughs> he was he was lobbing me oh. he's got this that's this best shot yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> well he's had a good that's nice thank you for yeah your time. Uh, let's, let's get together over the next week or so huh yeah definitely definitely look forward to that thank you tom <clears throat> mary good morning. hello good morning everyone um, I was thinking how, you know, just a couple of things for me to take off my cushion, you know, since we're in a weekend that is instruction, right? So what am I going to do with it? Um, off the cushion, paying attention to my breath and recognizing that you know, I don't need to be the one talking all the time. Mm. And um, on occasion when I do that, it, it's very validating and affirming about the practice. Um, I was also thinking about what Jeff said about letting go. And when I first came to the practice, I felt like the things I were, was letting go of were like cement and that it was going to take some really sharp tools to 
carve that away and it would be yeah chiseling and uh reluctance of uh letting things go until there's a better understanding and i mean i used to even say like i would say after class in my head like what what does that mean letting go you know what what is that about but the realization that it's the letting go of the things that are not you this is not me. This is not mine. This is not who I am. These things we've carved out about who we think we are, um, as we now know, is the eye making, and they don't serve us. I mean, you could almost pull something from everyone's talks and think about how is this going to serve you once you leave this weekend? as with any time you go away for the weekend to, to try and make meaningful change. Uh, it's important to think about how we are going to incorporate this because the world's going to hit us when we open the door, you know, and it's easy to fall back into all of our conditioned behaviors and conditioned thinking. And so breathing is going to be something I do a lot more of um quality of my commitment to that quality of my time on the cushion and more breathing to create that um mindfulness of what is happening what is not happening the four noble truths the eightfold path wrapped around all of that to inform either my silence or my behavior. Um, and thank you, David, for your sincerity and um, the authenticity that you bring to this room and to this practice. Um, very grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, that, that phrase to the core. Yeah, it's that is what we're keeping in mind. This four noble truths, you know that that should be our guide for those eight hundred eighteen hours. Yeah, and that's that wise restraint. That while we work on all this, that it's. It's always to the fore. So again, maybe that's a, a juvenile imagery in my head, but that's how I see this. We can only be who we are, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> She's still waiting for me to grow up. Laura, my friend. Thank you, my friend, David. You lead by example with the utmost humility. It's so inspiring. Um, and I was thinking about your teaching and Mary's comments and Jen's. And it's interesting, yeah, how, or, and Jeff too, um, the gentleness is what really kind of really helps me break through that denial of my own ignorance. Mm. You know, it's not like Mary was saying with the yeah. chisel and hammer and like, because that's too much, but that's what's so 
inspiring about this practice is that you do that work in the meditation and you know like Jen was saying it can be really difficult to even be in my own body when it's like feels like it's fighting me at times but that just awareness of body and mind and like you encourage us to do stick with the practice you know 30 minutes we can twice a day you know we do our best but that really does yeah that gentleness helps me break through the ignorance so thanks for your clarity and thank you yeah i just remember you know the first talk about this burden burden that we're trying to lay down and you know, if it's a burden for this to be a pra- this practice to be a burden, then that's that resistance. Mm-hmm. But you know, the simplicity and you know, can't punch holes through teachings. You know, it, that's just light lifting for me. And again, that was such a nice way to laying down this burden. So thank you. Brian, my friend. Thank you, David. I'm just this weekend by the, the beauty and the depth of the Dhamma. Just how many different ways the Buddha said the same thing so they would resonate for each and every one of us. If you didn't quite get the jhanas, maybe it'll get the four frames of reference. And if you don't get those, maybe you'll get the four noble truths. If you don't get those, maybe you'll get the aggregates. If you don't get that, maybe you'll get dependent origination. Mm-hmm. And they all come back to this lying down of the burden of self and understanding impermanence so that we can be free of stress. And just just overwhelmingly beautiful. So thank you. Thank you, Brian. Um, I have to really thank you for that introduction. I tend to get off in my head in my my investigation of the Dharma. And um, I need that reminder that you give a lot of times about it is the practice it is the practice it is the practice mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> then of course i'll <laughs> i'll be teaching the next thing which is going to be uh you know the higher order things in in awakening but still um uh, yes, it is the practice, and if it doesn't serve the practice, then uh, you're you should turn your attention <clears throat> and bring that mindfulness back to the fore mm-hmm. and bring it back onto the four noble truths. And that is it. Thank you. Thank you. We will finish with Mr. Haspel back there. That was outstanding, David. Like I, all these sessions have been. Remarkably outstanding. Your introduction, um, you, really, you point out how uh, how great the opportunity that the Dhamma offers us to recognize and abandon the burden of self and body making. 
That's really what it's all about. When I read this section, it always brings to mind, it often brings to mind just a thought that we begin this great uh, and very real human opportunity to awaken, to gain full human maturity. It begins with a breath and it ends with a breath. And we know, you know we don't remember it, but we, we have a date when we know that we, we all took our first breath. Uh, but we don't know the date when we take our last breath. And we keep thinking of maybe the Bahia Sutta and other suttas. This is it, you know. This this is the, the whole point of having a human life to me now is simply to be present for this moment and to awaken so that I can do that. And the key is to do the most simplest and obvious thing in the world, my breath, step breath. And the rest of the Dhamma, the rest of the, you could say that the, you know, the eighth factor of the Eightfold Path is jhana meditation. And by the way, I'm going to change the spelling from J-A-J-O-H-N-A. <laughs> time to do that. No, while you're at it, how about J-E-N-N? <laughs> <laughs> That's the pencil's teaching. Yeah. Jen and Jana. Rihanna, <laughs> that works. Rama meditation works too. Yeah. Rama meditation. <laughs> so the other seven factors in the Eightfold Path are necessary um, to bring that eighth factor to its full potential. Meaning we can breathe and, and think about our breath and be mindful of our breath forever and ever and ever. I went through you know, 14 hours of scenes doing that, just being mindful of my breath and analyzing what's coming up. But there was no structure to that. So along with this breath, we birth to death, we're given the structure on how to use our concentration to recognize I make, simply abandon it in this moment. And it's just a, this whole suit is such a remarkable example. It was always pointing, remember, he's pointing back at these people that have already done it, these other human beings. And he's making them as a, an example of the ordinariness of this practice, these things. Here's a bunch of guys that were just wandering around. They came together and they did this. Now they're awakened. We're doing the same thing. So I like that, you know, that idea of 118 hours that we that, to, to do the rest of our life in, but really that that other 118 hours is the opportunity to express our awakenings or our <clears throat> what we're doing out there in the world now. And we all talk about it, you know, we talk about it in the most practical ways. I was at work the other day and somebody was giving me an argument and I was able to calm myself on the road and somebody's tailgate me, I was able to calm myself. We, that, that is so important that we talked about, that we talk about the practicality of developing the Dhamma and really availing ourselves of this opportunity one breath at a time. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Kim. Excuse me, David. Hi. Uh, this is Deborah. I'd like to um, say a couple more things, if I could, please. Certainly. Um, first of all, 
I wasn't very successful of laying down my burden of being called twice, two days in a row, and I apologize for that. <laughs> and secondly, because I wasn't able to lay down that burden, I couldn't bring my thought process together to even begin to speak, and you were kind enough to give me that space to help me through that, and I wanted to thank you. Oh, thank you. We're so fortunate to have you and Jeff. It's, you know, I'll say it again. It's like we're all students. We're all students here, and you know, each one of us brings our own unique combination of you know strengths and weaknesses, and you know, moments of teaching. So, and that's the, that's the purpose of the Sangha. So, thank you. A, uh, a practical matter. Do we, uh, it's 11.30 now. The schedule says well, our last session will begin at 12.30, but we want to just do it at 12. Take a half hour break. It's all up to you. Yeah, that sounds fine. Everybody's on board. Good for you, Ron, you're teaching. Half of that next session. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not going to meditate that. that or half hour meditation. Is everyone all set with that online? Starting at noon instead of 12 30. I'm sorry, David. I, I, I did your clocks just change? I think I got, I, yes. I didn't realize how late I was. Yeah, no, sorry about that. Yes. Uh, Bit bit rude to show up and miss your talk. No, but I'll make sure to listen online. I'll, I'll listen to the um to the recording. Join join us in a half hour, Tom. I will do. So, did you say you're not going to you're not going to meditate in it? You're going to go straight into the talk in a half an hour. Yeah, we did yeah. thirty minutes this morning, and we'll just go right okay, into. Okay, so I'll meditate now. Good. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right, see everybody in half an hour. Bye. Hey, Rumi. Hey, Tom. Hey. Hey, Lu Lucius. How's hey, it going? How <laughs> Good to see I you. I heard you. I, I was listening. I was listening to a the, the podcast the other day and I heard your voice. I was like, hey, I recognize that guy. I used to I used to I used to sleep with that guy. <laughs> good to see you. Anyway, good to see you. I hope, hope to see you. Uh well, maybe I'll see you later this year on the retreat. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Take a yeah. Anyway. Take a all right. See you in half an hour. Jeff and Deb, you should think about coming to Juan this summer. Are they still on? They are? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Bye, everyone. We'll see you in a half hour. Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. <laughs>